Hey guys, my name is Eshna and I'm your host. Hi, I'm Emma. Hi, I'm Ben. I'm Yazi, and you're listening to Mixed. Can you believe this is our last episode? Oh my god. crazy. I know. I'm kind of looking forward to not talking to Ben. Can we please, can we please, guys, do this again? Yeah, sure. We can continue the series, you know? Talk about life more. Yeah. I feel like we've really grown closer together through this. Like, we've really got to know each other. All right. In in all seriousness, Ashna, we did. We did. Ben, shut up. Okay. No, I'm kidding. kidding. (laughs) In all seriousness, we did what, Ben? We did what? We did become closer. I think you're on drugs. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, we did. We did become closer. I think I saw a side to Ben that I didn't know existed. And that was intelligence. Same goes to Ashna. Wow. That was Excuse so you, nice. Ben. I... Wait, Ben. Whatever. <laughs> I can't believe she was nice. That's all I got to say. Mm. I was just, I literally wrote, whatever. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> back to the conversation at hand. I'm actually kind of disappointed that I missed out on the conversation with Lily. She sounded. I I went back and I listened to the podcast, and she sounded so. She was just well, so well spoken. Mm. She was really mature and like had already figured out a lot of things that a lot of people don't know, like identity and yeah, yeah. Um, it was it was really interesting here to speak. Um, but I'm looking forward to this episode because there are no special guests. You know, it's just the four of us coming together at the end and having a good personal conversation. I'm going to be so open with you guys. You guys made me trust you so much already. Jesus. Um, You trust Ben, too. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's some amounts. (laughs) You know what? You know what? (laughs) I'll see you after class. (laughs) Okay, you want to get slushies or something? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's quite the argument. Hey guys. Hey, what's hey. up? We're back. It's all of us now. We're in it a is. very special episode because <laughs> we all get to talk together and it's going to be really fun. And it's going to be really great. And I'm so excited to speak with you guys. Yes. Yay. I'm excited to speak with Emma and Yazi and Emma and Yazi, and that's about it. Because <laughs> right, yeah, better. Let's get started. Yes. <sighs> so, oh, finally. <laughs> the novel. Um, as I grow up to become a better and active citizen, I tend to have dreams about America, where everyone is equal, the American dream is a reality, and freedom is granted to all. Um, Viet Wing provides us with this information about having hopes for change and wanting to wait for the right moment. We still consider ourselves revolutionary. We remain the most hopeful of creatures, a revolutionary in search of revolution. Although we will not dispute being called a dreamer, dope by an illusion, soon enough we will see the scarlet sunrise on the horizon, where the east is always red, but for now our views through a window is of a dark alley, the met barren, and the curtains closed. Surely we cannot be the only ones awake, even if we are the only ones with a single string lamp, lamp lit. No, we cannot be alone. Thousands more must be staring into darkness like us, gripping by scandalous thoughts, extravagant hopes, and forbidden plots. We live to wait for the right moment. 
So when I read this passage, it gave me a sign of hope as I become an adult in America, where some of us tend to have a hope for a better country where everyone is equal, freedom is granted, and the American dream is a reality. Without us, there will be no change. And honestly, we are the change for the future generations. And that is what gives us the motivation to speak up and fight for justice against inequality. As I transition into an active voter, I would want to be more involved in my community. I want my voice to be heard by others. But as Viet Wing said in the passage, but for now, our views through a window is of a dark alley, meant barren, the curtains close. We as voters and even activists have to wait together for the right moment to take a stand and speak up. That is my story. Wow. That was good, Ben. That sounded so sarcastic. <laughs> that sounded so sarcastic. We all just needed like this, like a small pause just to like di- really digest all of that. So I was like, that was kind of good. That was like a lot. Thank you. I feel Thank like you. that was a lot. Um, what have you done in your community that, like, what steps have you taken in your community to? Um, speak up, I guess. Um, one of the things is now that I'm 18, I'm able to like go to council meetings near my community and city and basically be able to hear others speak out about, about their troubles and what they want to change around the area. Um, I also joined a group in Oakland where we walk around and we basically like inform other adults who we are and basically what we're doing and just letting know people that letting people know that you know we're here for them if they ever need help so Mm -hmm. that's amazing that you're already doing stuff and that you have hope and are going to do stuff in the future too thank you Mm -hmm. um i know our goal in this podcast was to learn more about our own ethnicities so Mm -hmm. um did you see parts of yourself in the character uh, and the sympathizer and did you learn more about that heritage oh yeah most definitely um me and the author kind of have also the same like hopes and dreams that we have for america too uh where we want to be able to speak out and take a stand against inequality but also we know from experience and from reading in the book too um most asians are really like uh are very are very looked down upon if that makes sense like they don't really mm-hmm. stand up for mm-hmm. themselves as much as others so just just to be able to read that and know that <clears throat> even though this was like 60 years ago it's still happening now yeah. Uh, yeah especially with like all the attacks on asian americans like today and like mm-hmm. it's really been building up like for months and for years even cuz you know like how normalized racism towards asians are you know, like even from a young age, like young children are taught kind of in a way to be racist towards Asians, you know, with mm-hmm. all these stereotypes. Yeah. And I know, like, I like fell for that too. Like, I, there's this like one game I remember growing up, it was like super racist and I didn't really realize it. I just like kind of stopped doing it because I realized eh, this isn't really that funny in a way. Mm-hmm. But, like the more like now I'm just like, wow, I should have never done that. I literally like did that game in front of adults and they didn't they didn't tell me nothing like they just said like oh my god that's so funny you know Mm -hmm. that game the whole thing was just to make fun of like asians and like their eye shapes you know saying like Mm -hmm. oh you can't see right Mm -hmm. and like 
that's just something that we need to hold others like more accountable of like hold adults more accountable of just saying like that's not okay you know because no one stopped me yeah yeah and like racism against asians are normalized um it's a lot more acceptable i guess to be racist towards asians than it is to be racist towards other races which is kind of um it's tough Mm -hmm. it's tough uh, that's all I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, like, I feel, yeah. yeah. When you mean like normalized racism, like there isn't really such thing as normalized racism in a way. It's just like yeah, it's it's, it's not as um, it's not like it's more um like I it's like more acceptable if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm trying yeah. to say? Yeah. yeah. Like people well, feel like don't bat their eyes. Really, the whole Asian American experience is like not really talked about a lot because it's not seen as like as extreme as like other forms of racism I feel like and and I feel like Asian Americans don't really talk about their experiences with racism either as much as other races talk out against what they've faced mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I'm really glad like you know now people are speaking up and they're just like hey like that's this is completely messed up and we really need you guys to change and i'm really mm-hmm. glad how like much more attention like the asian asian americans are like getting now and like how they're really like reaching out for help yeah but we but we like really in reality should have been helping them like all along as well because like yeah. we all have struggles you know mm-hmm. and i feel like we could it's like so much easier to just go through together and to know that like people have like your back Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. My quote just a little background it is just like the old gringo has like passed away and the generals and the troops and the women are all just extremely saddened about the passing of the old gringo. Now the general Royal, he's not really much like of a speaker. He's not good with words and he barely had like want like anything to say about the old gringo so it was really just like the troops and the women who like were speaking kind of for him and like kind of just like giving in their thoughts and as they were just like sitting here like standing there in like this place where the old gringo was passed the troops had spoken up and they were just like it was the troops themselves that quickly brought an end to their leader's words surging forward on the tide of their voices urging him to action, telling him he was right. They would live in spite of him. It's words for us to move on. It's time to leave the mirrors behind, General. Things will go bad for us if we don't jump up to the with the villa. We may be a floating brigade, but we won't get to Mexico City on our own. My destiny is my own, said Arroyo when he was alone and that was kind of a quote and now like reading this again i feel like there's a bunch of general royals there's and there's a bunch of troops in this world you know there are people who speak up and they're saying like this is wrong and we need to move forward with this and we need to make change just so like kind of like our society doesn't die down and like there's not so much hatred in this world and i feel like i'm more of like the troops kind of thing the troops kind of person i'm more someone to speak out and not like 
to like kind of let people like live in their feelings and emotions but there's also a time where like you have to like stand up and you have to keep moving and you have to like push forward to make like this better place for everybody in Mm -hmm. a way and you know how like i'm going to become 18 soon in march which is really coming up hey (laughs) (laughs) so like i feel like even more pressure just like to make sure that like i create kind of like my mark in a way in this community and just to like make sure like we create like this anti-racist place especially to where I want to go in college which hopefully is in Portland like Oregon you know which it it is a very progressive state but like there's still a bunch of racism there because you can't escape racism in general and like now like even more than I think about it I feel like young adults and like children have had to grow up like at a faster rate than we have. I, um, I know that, like, from my own experience, I see how young adults and children have had to grow up at a faster pace because of everything going on in social media and, like, the whole political climate. And as much as, like, I really don't like politics, there's not really in a way of escaping it. And I feel like all these, like, children and these young adults that are, like, 13 and, like, 14 or even, like, 12... They're being exposed to all of this, like, all these dangerous words that can really affect a child that's, like, just developing in a way. And they kind of, like, takes their childhood away and, like, forces them to grow up more. And they, like, kind of, like, go away from, like, all, like, actually, like, having to play toys and, like, being a kid to having to be part of these huge movements to make sure, like, they know that their, like, future is secure, that they're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's just too young for them to be like getting into everything right now. But again, there is really not, there's no age limit to change and to yes. make change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Especially kids that are age who are super impre- like impressionable. Mm-hmm. So it's also like parenting, environment, um, a lot of those things. And. Yeah, I don't know where I was going with this, but yes. No, but like you're right. Yeah, it's it, it all depends on like just the environment you have to live because you know like General Royal Damien, he had a sorry, let's finish. Um, <laughs> he had to grow up at a faster rate to like take care of his mother. You know. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, I feel like, like I just feel like we should take care more of the children. Continue. Mm-hmm. And I also feel like for those who were grown who grew up in an area where they weren't as privileged to like understand diversity and different cultures and like the different mindset and all that kind of stuff I think if people like that are willing to change and are willing to better themselves for their environment and like the world I think that's more important than how they were brought up if that makes sense Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I also feel like if we can not if we personally because it's not like we can go and control every kid and how their parent parents them but if, yeah. <laughs> if kids can be taught from an early age what is wrong and what is right and and just like like about racism and race and just to be open-minded and understanding, then there'd be a lot less hate in the world. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> then they wouldn't have those situations where they have to grow up fast because it's just a part of... Exactly. Like their education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Exactly. So- exactly. 
my question kind of, <laughs> kind of ties into that. So, Yazi, what age do you think young adults should be able to start learning and becoming more involved in, like, politics or, like, into their community? I feel like slowly, like, as you grow up, you know, like, how, like, when you're, like, in kindergarten or preschool, you learn about, like, Christopher Columbus and, like, how mm-hmm. the United States was, like, discovered. It's, first of all, we should just start with the truth and say, like, Christopher Columbus sucks. <laughs> He's, like, a horrible person. Yeah. And, like, America was not discovered. People were here before Christopher Columbus, like, made a mistake and thought America was India. Mm-hmm. You know? That's where we f- should first start. You know, how, like, Eshma was saying, or Emma, sorry, I forget. Like, you should start them young. You should, like, first give them the truth. And, like, when you get into more of, like, this political, like, not like political, but just like in the more of like history and mm-hmm. being more like exposing in a way, that should start when you're 15. When you're just like getting into a freshman in high school in a way. Yeah, I like that age. Yeah. Yeah. That is a good age. <laughs> yeah. All right, who's next? That's me. um so i've been reading the woman warrior by maxine hong kingston and um the book kind of surprised me i kind of initially chose it hoping to learn and understand more about the asian experience but especially kingston's experience being chinese in america Mm -hmm. but the book was mostly stories of her mom and, like, the traditions that she had, the stories she had from China. Um, and so, like, the only passage that I really found that was about her Kingston Zone experience um, was on page 205. And it was, I stopped checking bilingual job applications. I cannot understand any of the dialects the interviewer at China Airlines tried on me and didn't understand me either. I'd like to go to New Society Village someday and find out exactly how far I can walk before people stop talking like me. I continue to sort out what's just my childhood, just my imagination, just my family, just the village, just the movies, just living. Soon I want to go to China and find out who's lying. The communists who say they have jobs and food for everybody or the relatives who write that they do not have enough money to buy salt. My mother sends money she earns working in the tomato fields to Hong Kong. So like I said before, like she kind of, Kingston um, grew up very sheltered, I feel like, and she didn't have to uh, deal with, or at least she didn't share the experiences that she dealt with um, in like a wider culture and society. And um, it was very confusing to try to figure out what she felt in her racial journey an identity figuring out stuff Mm -hmm. and also like her mom's own traditions and stories. Um, But from it, I learned about the experience of being an immigrant from what she's talking about her mom. And I feel like that plays a big role in the Asian American experience. So I was able to learn from that and I was able to learn more about and understand better the experience of assimilation because Kingston was very sheltered and she actually was sick throughout her teenager. So she wasn't really out in society and 
didn't really have, she was surrounded a lot by traditions that her mom instilled in her and it didn't really like um, help her assimilate or she didn't really have the chance to like strive to be white. Mm-hmm. Um, moving forwards, I want to be more aware of and focus and have a compassion on, or that made no sense. <laughs> moving forwards, I want to be more aware of and focus on having more compassion for immigrants. Um, like, speaking out for them or being aware of their experiences mm-hmm. um, and just like making that a priority when I'm voting, um, looking for organizations that specifically work with immigrants, like paying for bail and that kind of thing. Like um, I volunteer through national charity league and I know we help immigrants all the time, like that, you know, don't have the proper documents to get all the help that they need, but these organizations that we work with help them get the food and the, like, um, um, medical care that they need and all that stuff. And I feel like I've just been able to reflect through reading this book and through this podcast that um, about the Asian American experience because I've had white privilege covering my eyes and keeping me safe for far too long that I didn't even consider people in our community to have faced hardships with their racial identity and I didn't even think I needed to explore mine until more recently, but I feel like this has definitely helped give me more insights into what's going on around me and in the wider world. And I'm, I know I need to move forward, focusing on myself and on others. Mm. That's good. I'm glad you're able to discover that. And I feel like a lot with regards to immigration, I feel like there's just like a lot of hate towards anyone mm-hmm. immigrating here into like America in general like there's a lot of generalization yes but I feel like people don't realize just like how much harm is done to those who are immigrants here and it's kind of like alienating in a way yeah because the culture you have to like assimilate so quickly mm-hmm. to be able to do like do anything here and it's like a real culture shock I feel like when you've grown up in a completely different world with different traditions different values than to come here and have to focus on something completely different pretend like you don't have those traditions and values is I can't imagine how shocking that would be yeah and I feel like we learned this in class just in general just like how Americans like kind of have this big head in a way that like they think like oh everybody wants to live here like everybody Mm -hmm. wants to just like be in America where everyone's free and everyone's great and everyone's happy and stuff like that. But in reality, in other places, like people laugh at us. They like are happy they don't live in America and they make jokes like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's like something huge that I feel like Americans need to just like take a step down from their little pedestal and realize we are not all that. We suck. <laughs> we are not like the best country, I don't feel like. So for sure. Yeah. Um what was that word, Ben? Not guilt, but what was that word? Accountable, baby. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> um do you ever feel like accountable for the like uh, yeah, 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 I don't know how to wear this. <laughs> um but <laughs> almost like like, we were talking about, like, the Asian-American, like, the amount of racism the Asian-Americans have recently gone through and stuff. But do you ever feel, mm-hmm. like, with your, like, 
like white privilege and also like being one fourth Chinese, you feel accountable. Um, uh, you know what, Emma? You know what I'm trying to ask. <laughs> and I think when you answer <laughs> it, my question will, be, will make sense. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't. I can't feel guilty that I haven't experienced racism like they have because I've, I mean, I'm 75% white and that's like a bigger part of me than being Asian, but I do feel guilty for letting my white privilege keep me safe for so long because I've had the privilege to be able to choose when I want to journey into being Asian American and the experiences that they face. And um, so I don't feel like guilty or like I should be accountable for things that they have faced. Um, But I do feel Mm -hmm. guilty and I should hold myself more accountable for the privilege that I've had in, in my own experience. Mm, I definitely get that. When did you, um, yeah. What? <laughs> Sorry, Yazzie. <laughs> um, but when did you start realizing that you had, like, was there a specific incident where you realized that you had white privilege? Um, I mean, I've always known I was white, and so I knew that I had privilege from being white. But I think it's the differences that I heard in people's experiences growing up because when I talk to people who are you know fully Asian or you know more Asian than I am and the racism that they faced Mm -hmm. and the experiences they've had and the issues that they've had to go through and the uncomfortability that they felt in who they are I didn't have that and I was like well I mean I'm Chinese I can put that as you know a claim to something else or whatever but I don't really know what that means and that is very privileged for me to not have to experience any of the pain that anyone else feels, but Mm -hmm. still say that I'm Asian. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And kind of like taking it in a way like you're, from my experience, it's more like rejecting a culture because I rejected my, my Mexican culture kind of like as I was growing up because it wasn't like standard as I've talked about in like past podcasts Mm -hmm. and like realizing now, like I've, felt guilty in a way for just rejecting that and making my own parents feel bad as well in a way you know Mm -hmm. so there's like I feel like there's guilt in that just like not wanting to get more like connected to your culture and wanting to assimilate to just like all this trendy stuff in America like you have to be white in order to be loved and accepted like quoting even what Lily said last podcast so I feel like mm-hmm. every every like Man, experience is like worse really missed that. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's all right. Um, it's fine. Like no, yeah, Lily's so well spoken, and she like really like s- said what I was feeling. Yeah, mm-hmm. I totally get that. I mean, my own experience, I never really had anything to reject. It was more just me making or having the privilege to not have to delve into that and face that that was that's what I feel guilty about Mm -hmm. um 
so I just wanted to say that I didn't exactly follow the directions. <laughs> nor okay. did I really love a rebel girl. <laughs> you know, that's not exactly the word I would describe it. No. <laughs> <laughs> but it's sure. Um, nor I was did quoting I really... a song. Sorry. Okay, continue. <laughs> Sorry, it's called it? Rebel Girl by Bikini Kill, but <laughs> huh? it's, an, it's a very it's a very alternative song. <laughs> I need to go listen to that after this. Anyway, um, I also forgot to introduce my quote, but that's okay. So, um, who's Dimitri? He'd asked, and then, are you having an affair? The question had sprung out of him, something he had not consciously put together in his mind until that moment. It felt comic to him, burning his throat. But as soon as he asked it, he knew. He felt the chill of her secrecy, numbing him like a poison spreading quickly through his veins. He felt this way only on one other occasion. The night he had sat in the car with his father and learned the reason for his name. That night he had experienced the same bewilderment, was sickened by the same way, was sickened in the same way. But he felt none of the tenderness that he had felt for his father, only the anger, the humiliation of having been deceived. So Jhumpalahiri talks about Moshimi, his... Uh, now ex-wife this this passage doesn't really have anything to do with the transition of high school to college or a childhood community to more more diverse one it is more of a transition between life we perceive and the real world it's a painful transition i picked this passage because it shows that we are surrounded by more deceit good and bad than we would like to think moshibi gogol's ex-wife was the first woman who actually understood gogol she was Bengali and had half grown up in the UK and half in the United States. She was a first-generation Bengali-American like him and understood the way their culture affected him. However, unlike Gogol, Moshimi had shunned more of the Bengali culture than he. She had never grown out of her need to assimilate to be someone she wasn't. Perhaps she never felt Bengali and was tried to be someone she wished to be. With Gogol, she felt stuck, and with Moshimi, he felt free. And this is what pained me. He spent his whole life fighting, and when he finally thought he found a woman who would understand, cherish, and respect him for who he was and who they could be, he was again broken. This passage opened my eyes to the real world. People will hurt me, people will break me, and people will tear me down. There will be loved ones in my life who don't deserve my love, and there will be those who always have and I have never seen. Mistakes are inevitable, heartache is inevitable, but picking myself up is also inevitable. I learned that in life I will probably always be lost, but each misstep will lead me to finding another piece of myself, till perhaps death arrives on my doorstep. So, kind of. So, Mr. Poling wanted me to elaborate on what I meant by like being lost, and what I meant was we never know who we really are. Like as people, we learn something new about ourselves every single day. And once we are found and once we figure out, like, who we are, I guess, if that's even possible, we're kind of forced to stay in this mold that we've created for ourselves. So I prefer to be lost than found because I'm excited to meet the person I'll be tomorrow and the mistakes that I make who will help me. The mistakes are like, you know, what's, what's, what's the antonym for mistake? whatever like the opposite mistakes I correctness <laughs> that will shape me to be who i am and who i was yesterday who i am today and who i will be tomorrow so that's why i'd rather be lost than found yes mm. fiend preach 
I felt like I was just like hearing a letter being read to me. Yes. <laughs> oh my god, stop it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I feel like you got it like really like right. Like I feel like no one like can find their like 100% true self because we're always changing. We're always mm-hmm. like going through different experiences like you're saying. And I feel like I agree with you. Like I'd rather be lost and found because like I know I'm I'm probably gonna hate myself like <laughs> like the or not like hate myself, like hate the person that I was like like now, like I kinda hate the person that I was like before. I was just like, shoot, you let people walk all over you back then, huh? <laughs> you know? And it was mm-hmm. like all those experiences, like you're saying, like it turned me into the person I am now who like does not care if I'm gonna hurt your feelings. If you said something wrong, I will just like straight up tell you, like to your face, be like, "Hey, don't say that," and I'll tell you exactly why you shouldn't say that, and I'll tell you why you should listen to me, even though I know you probably won't, and you'll keep on doing it. But that's just like me trying to help you in a way, which is like what we're doing in general. We're just trying to help others, as Pauline always says. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Ashton, you're talking about like experiences and how they shape people. What experience have you, experiences have you gone through that you found yourself? <laughs> who the, you found who you are now at this moment? Yeah, high school. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Fair, I'm only 18 and I don't even have an inkling of who I am. But my the foundations of my morals have been shaped due to the hardships that I face living in a predominantly white area and going to a high school in Moraga so and to say the least as like a person of color going to school in this area it's so hard sometimes i'm just surprised that la marina is even part of the bay area because i'm like wow the ignorance and lack of diversity is just a culture shock for me you know Mm -hmm. i mean i can hate on this area all i want but i but but honestly living here i wouldn't i wouldn't live anywhere else especially during this age i think this area has definitely shaped me and who I am and who what I believe in and what I don't believe in and what I um, am choosing to put forth in this world and what I am choosing to not. So I think like Blumrinda has its charms, it has its perks and it has its not so perks. <laughs> I just don't know the opposite of words today. Um, <laughs> but I think this area has been an experience to say the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, that's good. So, Ashno, my best friend. Shut up. Um, for the listeners <laughs> out there, okay, is there any advice you can give to young adults who are struggling to find who they are? You're asking the wrong person, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think this is like uh, during our FaceTime when we totally prepped all of this. Um, I like to not get all Hindu and spiritual on you guys, but I think life has a path that is meant for you um and i think everything happens for a reason so to not really worry about things you can't control because why stress over something that is meant to happen you know and whether mm-hmm. it's good or bad learn from it or cherish it and move on and genuinely live with no regrets because there's nothing worse than living a life to for a long time and looking back and be like damn i wish i did this or damn i wish i did that so yolo f it you genuinely only live once yeah, <laughs> yeah. okay 
I was just gonna say that like that could be something that we could just end everything with. Everybody could just give their words of wisdom, as Ashna just said. Mm-hmm. My phrasing of basically yes. what you just said, Ashna, for like you, what you believe in is just like you're gonna die anyways, so might as well do it. Exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, like Drake once said, okay. "Yolo, man." Just yes. Your life. Hey, more yeah. than Drake. Many people have said it. Drake. Oh my. God. Yes. <laughs> Shut up, Beth. <laughs> yeah, but that's so true, though. My my words of wisdom is to just really just don't care and just be yourself because those who don't accept you for who you are aren't worth it at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My yeah. words would go off of that and accept yourself and accept who you are and be un apologetically you (laughs) and um like forgive yourself for your mistakes but know what you want out of this actually did that we finished i don't want to end it guys thank god i'm gonna miss you, know what, you. shut the heck up it took us long enough <laughs> you know what <laughs> but like three hours. you were saying that when you were opening up to us oh my god <laughs> okay okay but for real this this podcast was pretty fun i really loved this assignment. both both recording and our group chat with lots and lots of memes Oh, I've enjoyed yes. it all. <laughs> yes. No no cap. Sometimes um, when I'm at work, because I work like eight hour shifts sometimes, I'll have like maybe five un- unread messages and then look back on my phone. I have 105 unread messages. <laughs> oh, nice. How can you guys talk so that. much in like 20 minutes? <laughs> it's crazy. Hey, I we're can... just chatty people. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I can text sure, so that's many one way to put it. I love your memes, Yazi. I think that really pulled together our podcast. Yeah, I'm so glad that yeah. worked. You know, <laughs> I was like, if I'm funny, we'll get closer together, okay? <laughs> and I was That's right. I was really hoping that we'd all just get along and be an amazing group. Probably the best group. But, you know, it's fine. <laughs> right, Mr. Pauline, we're the best group, right? <laughs> we totally are. We deserve A plus 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 in this class. <laughs> we deserve hundred and five percent in this class. Oh, okay guys, well um, I'll see you in class. Alright. Well guys, I really enjoyed being the editor and being able to listen to my friends and have them listen to me. It was very insightful and I love talking to them. Hopefully I'll do it again or be able to do it again, at least. Um thank you so much for listening and I hope you guys have a great week. Into the oh, that's awkward. You idiot. <laughs> You're so stupid. I meant to say. You actually, Uh-oh. were you just bump into Elsa? Like, what the heck? Oh my god. <laughs> awkward.